But I want you to look in my eyes. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, we're going to end fossil fuel. I don't generally watch Fox News. Actually, I don't watch Fox News at all. I will occasionally catch a segment of Tucker Carlson. That's about all I watch on Fox and now with any irregularity, just like when he did that great episode, the only one episode of the many that we were hoping for with the J6 footage. I watch that and every once in a while I'll catch clips that I see on Twitter or my research on YouTube or what have you. But uh, but this one really caught my attention because in just a few seconds, it explains and you can see for yourself how out of touch big media is, Fox News is, and the rich and privileged politicians are who make laws and formulate rules and regulations that they have no idea how they affect the little man, the little guy, as they live in their ivory towers with all of their money. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Just watch. It'll all make sense here. A subsidy of $7,500 is not they a big deal. I was going to buy it. I was going to buy an EV uh, Bentley. I, my next, my last car. Will be an EV Bentley, <laughs> and they they offered me seventy five hundred dollar uh, rebate. I said I don't I don't need this seventy five hundred. Thank but- God you connect with our audience. <laughs> now it's no secret why Gutfield has the number one late night show. Uh, did you catch him with his face palm there as Geraldo as he's pushing the entire idea of we need electric vehicles? Talks about his last vehicle is going to be an EV Bentley. And they were trying to get him with the rebate. I don't need that $7,500 rebate. Can you imagine just saying, I don't need $7,500? And of course, uh, Gutfield uh, cleverly saying, uh, way to connect with our audience. Now, when I say Fox News, I don't mean all of Fox News. I mean Fox News corporate and many of their presenters and pundits have revealed themselves to be elitist like their CNN and MSNBC counterparts. But I got to give kudos to Gutfield to, for pointing out Geraldo's ridiculous statements and how there's a total disconnect between the elitists and everyday Americans. I mean, how, how does it feel, the idea of you're driving the same car that everybody else is driving? Do you get bored at that thought? I'm trying to control myself. <laughs> Why? Because you said Evie Bentley. And you just explained why people like you find it so easy to sermonize about electric vehicles because you can afford it. Are you attacking me? Yes, I am attacking you. <laughs> you deserve it. But then you... I have to counterattack when you finish. I... And Geraldo, like a true leftist, can't be challenged. Are you attacking me? Then I'm going to have to retaliate against you. I mean, I know this is just banter going back and forth. But folks, this is a look into the psyche and the sociopathy of your average leftists. They are totally disconnected and they're defensive and their way is the only way. 
Well, no, the thing is, what I'm pointing out is you just said E.D. Bentley to our audience, right? Who has to pay for the charging stations? Our audience, right? Who has to pay for the transition from gas to electric stoves? Our audience. Who has to pay the for the cancer they get the when they the gas power Oh, car. God, you don't even have the science to Can back I? that up. You have to bear the brunt of your beliefs, and you don't because you can afford an EV Bentley. Full disclosure, I am a car guy. I love cars. And I was like, I don't think there's an EV Bentley yet. (laughs) So I just jumped on their website. They do have the hybrid Bentley, not the EV Bentley for sale. So Geraldo's story is not even true. You know, unless I don't think there are rebates anymore specifically for hybrid cars. But I could be wrong on that. Absolutely ridiculous. Okay, folks, let me follow up uh, on some news from my last episode where I showed you the comments and portions of the speech from President Trump at the NRA. I also showed you the Jews against DeSantis or something like that, protesters against DeSantis uh, yesterday. I showed you Mike Pence. Let me follow up on some of these uh, items, including uh, what President Trump had to say after uh, all of these events. So let's start off with what DeSantis was doing uh, in New Hampshire. So on Friday, DeSantis made his first stop in New Hampshire as a presidential contender or potential presidential contender, according to the Epoch Times. On Friday, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis was far away from home last night when he appeared at a New Hampshire dinner event, but that didn't stop the potential presidential candidate from setting fundraising records for the New England state's GOP. Before introducing DeSantis, Christopher Ager, chairman of the New Hampshire Republican Committee, announced that the longstanding Amos Truck Annual Dinner fundraiser raised a historic 328000 DeSantis drew about 500 Republicans to hear him speak for the first time in New Hampshire, along with a couple of hecklers who managed to get on stage with DeSantis, long uh, being ushered away by security. To get on stage with DeSantis, long being ushered, doesn't make any sense unless there's a new idiomatic expression that I'm not familiar with uh, in the English language, which is possible. I'm not infallible. That that, That sentence didn't make sense to me. So anyway... There were many in the crowd that told Epic Times they remained staunch Trump supporters even before the Florida governor spoke, and they only came to hear DeSantis speak out of curiosity. I'm Trump all the way, said Dublin resident Augusta Patron. So if you watched my episode from last Sunday, actually it was a week ago, I showed this uh, this person online that broke down what was really going on in the DeSantis event in Georgia, how almost everyone there, according to her anecdotally, and we get this from the Epic Times reporter as well, if you want to call it anecdotally, that people were there out of curiosity, but they're not there to support DeSantis for president. Thought that was interesting that the same thing happened in New Hampshire. Now, President Trump, as I covered yesterday, Saturday, the highlights of President Trump's comments to the NRA Breitbart got to speak with President Trump afterward, and this is what happened. Former President Donald Trump ripped Florida Governor Ron DeSantis in an exclusive interview with Breitbart News, 
right after his National Rifle Association speech, saying DeSantis should be in Fort Lauderdale helping oversee the response to the flooding of one of his state's biggest cities instead of touring the nation, campaigning. He should be campaigning right now, Trump said of DeSantis. He should be there. DeSantis has not formally announced a 2024 presidential campaign, but an outside group with which he is aligned and which he currently controls has begun running attack ads against Trump in the GOP presidential primary. DeSantis is widely expected to formally announce a campaign later this year, but for all intents and purposes, given the fact that he is hiring staff and running attack ads, he is basically running against Trump unless he, and until he says otherwise, right? If it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, walks like a duck, it's probably a duck. And that's what we have here. If it looks like he's campaigning, sounds like he's campaigning, he's doing campaign activities by having staff running campaign ads against President Trump from the organization that he controls. He's in New Hampshire, one of the primary states. It's walking like a duck. And in this case, a duck is a presidential candidate campaigning. That's what we see is happening here. Rather than going there to oversee the response, DeSantis continued with his events in other places across the country this week while the Fort Lauderdale airport was closed. He appeared in Ohio and in Virginia and in New Hampshire this week while the ravaged city has raced to respond to the crisis. Donald Trump Jr., the former president's eldest son, had already ripped DeSantis publicly for not coming to Florida to deal with the issues in Fort Lauderdale. But Trump himself doing it is new and represents a significant escalation in the brewing war between the former president and the governor of Florida. But it's not just Trump allies criticizing DeSantis' lackluster Fort Lauderdale response. The mayor of Fort Lauderdale doesn't matter. He's a Democrat, but he still has, I mean, it doesn't matter. He's a Democrat. It does matter. He does have a point here. He said DeSantis has not called him. And some state legislators from the area are also ripping DeSantis. In response, DeSantis spokesman Brian Griffin said that DeSantis has been engaged in response, even though he's not physically present in Florida. Now, what Trump had to say during his exclusive interview backstage, he noted that some of his homes are in or, you know, they're in, uh, in Palm Beach close to, relatively close to Fort Lauderdale. I may, I'm right here, President Trump said about going to visit the people in Fort Lauderdale. I just left from that area, the Palm Beach area. Fort Lauderdale is very close. Palm Beach has been hit hard too, but not as hard as Fort Lauderdale. They say it's once in a hundred years what's happened there. Trump's broadside comes as a super PAC formally backing his campaign. Formally, not formally, formally. MAGA Inc. launched an attack ad against DeSantis called Pudding Fingers, mocking the governor of Florida for reports he had denied that he once ate pudding with his fingers. Okay, folks, uh, uh, once again, full disclosure, this is a MAGA channel. This is America First channel. This is a Trump train channel. I volunteered for the Trump campaign in 2016, and I've been on the Trump train ever since. But it seems to me like they could do a lot better than this silly campaign ad. Ron DeSantis loves sticking his fingers where they don't belong. And we're not just talking about pudding. All right, let me back up a second because I missed this report because I don't really follow much about DeSantis. So I'm assuming that some of you are not even really aware of this whole DeSantis three-finger pudding thing. So here's uh, MSNBC's take on it. New and new concerns about the governor's social skills. One act staffer saying, quote, he would sit in meetings and eat in front of people. 
always like a starving animal who has never eaten before, getting stuff everywhere. According to two sources familiar with the incident, during a private plane flight four years ago, DeSantis enjoyed a chocolate pudding dessert by eating it with three of his fingers. <laughs> DeSantis has his dirty fingers all over senior entitlements, like cutting Medicare, slashing Social Security, even raising our retirement age. Tell Ron DeSantis to keep his pudding fingers off our money. Oh, and somebody get this man a spoon. Make America Great Again, Inc. is responsible for the content of this advertisement. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if that just played in Florida where that played. I don't know if that has wide appeal. But I'm hoping that we can get some better ads than that one. That uh, kind of was lowbrow and not very interesting. They're making the point, though, that DeSantis, like other Republicans, is willing to look into changes into the Medicare Medi- uh, and Social Security programs, which are valid topics for the upcoming election. So the topic is valid, but the ad could have been better. All right, so let's uh, let's move on, folks. Another person who may be running against President Trump is Mike Pence. And it sure seems like it when he says things like this. Former Vice President Mike Pence said on Thursday that he believes Republican primary voters will make better choices in nominating former President Donald Trump for the 2024 election. That is absolutely something that you would expect a swamp creature to say. It is evident. It is evident beyond a shadow of a doubt that President Trump is by and afar the most attractive Republican candidate for 2024, and he is double digits over DeSantis, who, granted, is not officially running yet, but they are miles and miles apart. No one even is a close second, not even DeSantis, to President Trump for the primary win in 2024. So host Martha McCallum said, so when the former president announced that he was going to get in the race, you said that you believe that the American voter would have better choices than him. This is the latest polling. Donald Trump at 54%, DeSantis at 24%, you are at 6%, and on down the line from there. What do you think about the fact that his numbers are so strong right now, sir? Look, it's an early in, in the process. I don't think we'll have, I do think we'll have better choices. I think nobody could have defeated Hillary Clinton in 2016 other than Donald Trump. But I think come 2024, our party will choose the right standard bearer to meet this moment, to strengthen America at home and abroad. And my family and I continue to reflect on what role we might play in that. And I promise to keep you informed of any decisions we make. She hadn't even asked him about if he was running, but he's running, so he had to put that in. By the way, Mike Pompeo, if you missed my report from uh, yesterday, Saturday, will not be running. Then Martha asked him, do you think that this his legal challenges should or disqualify him from running in 2024? And Pence said, look, at the end of the day, I'd rather we lead these decisions to voters. Thank you. And we're not voting for you. You're polling at 6%. You haven't gained at all. That's the highest thing. I've, I think I saw an 8% at one point. At, I think on one poll, and I've never seen Mike Pence poll more than 6%. Let's bring the American people the truth. Let's talk about the record. Let's talk about a vision for the future. Yeah, let's talk about the truth. The truth about the backstabbing ways of Mike Pence, how the current GOP, as I pointed out in yesterday's special report in the morning, that the Kevin McCarthy is not keeping his word in releasing the January 6th tapes, and the GOP is not fighting for our January 6th folks. Yesterday on Saturday, uh, 
Mrs. BCP made me this fantastic uh, Mexican food meal for lunch. And as we were sitting down talking, she said, I am, she says, soy tan triste por los prisioneros. She was so, she was just contemplating and been thinking about the plight of our January 6th uh, prisoners. And this is something that pains her. But something that pains us. Not just because I almost went there on January 6th and the good Lord through his Holy Spirit told me to stay put uh, in Orlando where we were as a family because we were thinking about moving to Florida at the time. And I could have been, I could have been there. I, I would not have gone to the Capitol. Don't think I would have been anywhere uh, near the Capitol. I just wouldn't have been there, I don't think. But they're arresting people that were never even in the Capitol, never went into the Capitol with all kinds of... They're still arresting people and putting them in jail two years later. And many, if not most of those J6 uh, prisoners, have not seen a trial yet. What happened to a speedy trial and right to be uh, face your accuser and a right to have a jury of your own peers? Not going to have a jury of your own peers in 99.9% Marxist globalist DC. It does pain me. So that's the truth that we want, Mike Pence, about the Fed operation known as January 6th and all the people entrapped in it. And when we get that truth, it's not going to paint a very good light on you, Mike Pence, who were part, uh, who is part of the machinations and all the skullduggery that entrapped our fellow citizens and protesters in the January 6th thing. Mike Pence, you're, you're never going to be above 6% in the polling. And there's no way in hell you're going to beat President Trump in the primaries. But I just trust Republican primary voters. I do too. They're not going to vote for you. I trust American people to choose the right leadership for America. I do too. I just don't trust that their choice will necessarily be respected. Let's just leave it at that. Because this show is on a platform that only allows one narrative when it comes to official results. They've done it again and again. I'm confident... We'll do it again in 2024. We will. We will once again make President Trump, like we did in 2016 and 2020, the winner of the presidential primaries for the Republican Party. But hey, D.C. has a way of making people delusional. D.C. stands for, I don't know, uh, delusion crisis. Sorry, folks, that was bad. But another delusional guy... Joe Biden says optimism in Ireland inspires him to run again in 2024. Well, isn't that something? Joe Biden said on Friday that he plans to run for president again in 2024 and will make an official announcement soon. I've already made that calculus. We'll announce it relatively soon. Biden told reporters on the last day of his trip to Ireland. But the trip here just reinforced my sense of optimism about what can be done. When asked if he made up his mind, Biden replied, I told you, my plan is to run again. So now it's it's pretty much a secret. He hasn't announced it, but he's announcing it. Since late December 2022, speculation has mounted about Biden's 2024 plans. The president has already hinted multiple times that he may seek re-election. Why not? He's the least favorite president of all time. And he was also toward the bottom of the heap when it came to the 2020 Democrat Party primaries, but just like in 2016, where Bernie Sanders was the clear victor, the Democrats did their Democrat math and gave it to Biden, not just in the primaries, uh, but somehow through Democrat math, 
we have Biden in the Oval Office. Man, that Democrat math sure is something else. By the way, since we were talking yesterday about President Trump and, and the NRA and school shootings and, and shootings or what have you, a survey from Rasmussen shows that more likely voters blame mental health for mass shootings than blame guns. So once again, we can see that President Trump has his finger on the pulse and he is representing the thoughts, the feelings, and the philosophies of everyday Americans. President Trump clearly yesterday in the NRA, again, watch uh, last night, yesterday afternoon's episode, clearly, clearly talking about how this these aren't issues of guns and what have you. This is an issue of uh, spirituality and mental health, mental health crisis. The survey was conducted with, with likely voters taking part, and according to Rasmussen, 42% of likely voters blame mass shootings on mental health issues, while 29% pl- place the blame on access to firearms. Kind of obvious, isn't it? Guns don't kill people. People kill people. All right, this is uh, something that's going on, and I failed to report on this. The Supreme Court has briefly pre- uh, preserved the broad availability of the abortion pill. The Supreme Court has just temporarily blocked the lower court rulings, placing restrictions on access to a widely used abortion pill. The court is now asking both sides to weigh in by Tuesday over whether lower court rulings on mefaprestone should be allowed to take effect and while the case works its way through this federal court system. Now, this comes after the Biden administration and the drugs maker asked the Supreme Court to intervene. They sure did. Now, the surprising part about this, quite honestly, is the Supreme Court justice that wrote the opinion and made the ruling on this. Justice Alito agreed to an administrative stay on the lower Texas court ruling. That's the ruling that would have suspended approval of the abortion drug, the Fifth Circuit, agreeing to at least put serious restrictions on the drug, all of those rulings now on hold. So what Alito has said is we're going to, they want to hear from both sides of this debate. Uh, They're giving them until midnight at Wednesday, on Wednesday to file uh, any briefs with the court. And then that's when the court can decide whether or not they want to take this up. So while as a pro-family, pro-life pundit, myself, James, the bold conservative patriot, the base conservative patriot, the black sort of patriot. It seems like Alito, this is more of a procedural ruling so that they can flesh out this case and not have it be rushed. Now, the next steps in this is that the Supreme Court to decide could decide whether or not to issue uh, a stay on the ruling while they hear this case and keep that, that freezing of the, the Texas ruling uh, throughout the court case throughout the lawsuit, um, or they could agree to allow the Fifth Circuit to, to for that decision to move ahead. It appears that plaintiffs and defendants, pro-choice and pro-life people are all on pins and needles to see how this thing is going to play out. So, you know, a really complicated path ahead. I, we've heard from the plaintiffs in this case. They say this is an administrative move. It's to be expected. Uh, but the abortion rights movement saying that this is, a, you know, a very temporary win and they, they plan to fight this in the days going forward. What are your thoughts? Please put it down below. By the way, folks, we appreciate you being here. Please do not forget if you are watching us on YouTube 
to press like, share the link to this video, press the subscribe button, or just make sure you're still subscribed if you're a subscriber, and also hit the notification bell. If you're watching this on Spotify or listening to it on the many and all the major podcasting platforms we're on, from Apple Podcasts to Google Podcasts to iHeartRadio to Audible, etc., make sure that you are following this podcast, the BCP Podcast, the Open Source News Edition. Okay, let's get into Trump and what we are learning about President Trump what, and also some information that is being uh, verified about President Trump and why we voted for him in 2016, why I voted for him in 2020 as well, and why we need him back. There are many, many reasons when you look at the numbers why President Trump needs to have a second term as quickly as possible. And let's just take politics out of it. And let's just talk about good manager, uh, executive experience and knowing how to win and also how to sacrifice. Epoch Times yesterday, Trump's financial report shows his business empire expanding. Let me cut to the chase. President Trump lost a lot of wealth, but he did it for country. But now that he's not in the Oval Office anymore, and he's showing us once again that he has the business acumen, he's got the business chops as an executive to be successful and once again lead our country to success, not just financially, but beyond. President Donald Trump has filed a personal financial disclosure report which shows the former president's vast business empire valued at around $1.2 billion expanding since his return to private life. The 101-page report was filed with the FEC as he campaigns to secure the Republican nomination for president in 2024. Trump's business acumen, which he campaigned on ahead of 2016, has repeatedly highlighted since then appears in sharp focus in the filings. Since leaving office in January of 2021, Trump has approximately doubled his number of business holdings with a total estimated value of at least $1.2 billion. That's of his businesses. His net worth is greater than that. In terms of income, the filing provides limited information, but, uh, but the disclosures show that Trump remains a very wealthy man. Over the course of 2021 and part of 2022, Trump's business empire generated at least $282 million. For instance, Trump reported making over $5 million in speaking engagements since leaving office. A number of his real estate holdings and golf clubs uh, each generated over $5 million in income. Royalties from Trump's famous memoir, The Art of the Deal, made him between $100,000 and $1 million. In terms of business entities, among his newer ventures is Trump Media, which he holds a 90% stake in and includes his true social platform and is valued between $5 and $25 million per the disclosure. Not bad for a private small, relatively compared to like Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and even uh, uh, Snapchat, a relatively small and mostly Republican or conservative social media company. A number of other ventures are valued between 5 to $25 million, including Trump International Hotels Management. Remember when they were trying to go after the Trumps for speaking to Russians about possibly putting up a hotel? Hello, what part of Trump International Hotels did they not understand? And then these other ventures. 
A total of 19 businesses were valued at over $50 million. Now, here is his net worth. Forbes estimate as of yesterday was his net worth is about $2.5 billion. It makes him the 1,255th richest individual in the world. Now, in 2016, before he went into the presidency, it was around $4.5 billion. So President Trump has lost $2 billion in net worth. And this $2.5 billion is after all the work he's done to rebuild himself since he left office. Which I believe, someone correct me if I'm wrong, I think his, he was valued at like $2.1 billion, Less than half of what he was before he went in to become president. It says here, in 2019, when Trump's net worth was estimated at $3.1 billion, well over a billion dollars less than 2016, the former president said he was unconcerned that becoming president was costing him a lot of money. Whether I lost $2 billion, $5 billion or less, it doesn't make any difference. I don't care. I'm doing this for the country. I'm doing it for the people. If I had to do it again, I would do it in an instant because who cares? If you can afford it, what difference does it make? President Trump, I mean, not, I'm not saying that there isn't a difference between being worth, you know, $4.5 billion, $2.1 billion, and then obviously in the upper echelons of the $100 billions, uh, like Elon Musk and others. But President Trump, as he said before, he didn't have to do this. He was very comfortable and wealthy. People were leaving him alone. The press liked him. The politicians liked him. Everyone liked him. But he wanted to serve his country. And yes, there's always a level of egotism if you're going to be a president of the United States, and he's leaving a hell of a legacy. Heaven forbid something were to happen to President Trump, but right now he will go down as the greatest president in my lifetime and probably yours. Historically, the U.S. presidency has served as a springboard to greater wealth, a trend that held true for the eight presidents before Trump. According to a study of presidential net worth before and after taking office conducted by the American University in D.C., the eight presidents prior to Trump saw their net worth go up by between 45%, Ronald Reagan, and 6,150%, Bill Clinton and all of the graft and uh, all the ripoffs they did with their Clinton Foundation and Clinton Global Initiatives. And that was from a study back in 2017. Trump is the only billionaire to have served as president of the United States and one of the only one in the last eight presidents to have his wealth go down. What does that tell us? President Trump is the real deal. He'd do it again, and he's trying to do it again. We're hoping and we're praying that this time he's not thwarted by that devious Democrat math. Now, this is what happens when you have career politicians that don't know business. Deficit tops $1 trillion in first six months of fiscal year 2023. Now, let's be honest, folks. President Trump... The deficit got added while he was there as well. And President Trump has, has said very clearly, it was a give or take. I had to give them what they wanted for me to be able to move forward my agenda. Kind of similar to Ronald Reagan, except Ronald Reagan was a fan of deficit spending. Something that a true fiscal conservative would not be for. We have enough money being brought in. It's mismanagement of those monies, our taxpayer monies, by the Uniparty the rhinos and Democrats and a majority of D.C. Uh, legislators passing pork after pork bill after pork bill. But the federal deficit topped $1 trillion in the first six months of fiscal year 2023. 
This despite the fact that federal tax revenues in the first six months of this fiscal year were tons of money, $2 trillion plus, which is the second highest in the nation's history. So it's not a matter of bringing money in. It's a matter of spending. And I hope that President Trump does a better job with that this time around, which if we can maintain the House, even with the rhinos in there, if we get more MAGA, America first, fiscally responsible people, we might be able to turn the tide of this ridiculous spending going on in Washington. And there you have it, folks. Appreciate you being here. Please enjoy your Sunday. Please enjoy the rest of your weekend. Am I going to have another report for you? Well, if you hit that notification bell and you're paying attention, you will have the answer to that in six to eight hours. Until the next one, ciao, goodbye, God bless. Please don't forget to check out our other show, our other channel here on YouTube, the BCP Report. Link is down below, as well as our off-platform show called BCP Unfiltered. Check that, that out as well. Like I said, links to everything are down below. Ciao, goodbye, big hug, God bless.